name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is really amazing to think that on this very day, brothers and sisters, the first Sunday, that is, of Great and Holy Lent, 1,178 years ago, this present feast of the triumph of orthodoxy was instituted and celebrated for the very first time. As we know the history, in the year 843, a regional council was called in Constantinople under the Empress Saint Theodora in defense of the holy icons in order to reiterate and reaffirm the decision of the Seventh Ecumenical Council, which had been held just a few decades earlier in 787. The veneration of icons was solemnly proclaimed at the Hagia Sophia Cathedral, the great church of holy wisdom, with the Empress, her son Michael III, the holy patriarch and confessor Methodius, monastics, and clergy coming in procession and restoring the icons in their rightful place. This jubilant event has been commemorated, as I said, every year since that time in our church. However, prior to the year 843 and the institution of this present feast, the first Sunday of Great and Holy Lent was dedicated to the memory and honor of the saints, specifically even the prophets like Moses, Aaron, Samuel, and the rest, as we can see from many of the readings today and the hymns. It is to the saints then, those friends dear and pleasing to God, that we turn our attention this morning. When we look to the epistle of the Hebrews, we repeatedly speak or hear St. Paul say that Christian worship is something of an approach, an entrance, or even a drawing near to God. And this worship is really a liturgical gathering. For instance, in chapter 12, St. Paul writes, But you have come, you have approached to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous men and women made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now note the terms that he uses to describe the church. Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Note also, and especially, that when the Christian comes to God, he doesn't just come one-on-one, -on -one, so to speak, but he approaches also within the company and in the company and gathering of the angels and the saints. For the church is composed of us here on the earth and, of course, those righteous spirits who have gone on ahead of us to the kingdom of heaven.
Although the bodies of the departed saints are described as sleeping, we see in 1 Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians, their spirits are very much alive and alert. Indeed, they are already, in some sense, as St. Paul just said, made perfect, even though they still await that complete glorification of their bodies at the general resurrection when the Lord returns. The departed saints are certainly not dead, because those who believe in Christ will never die. As the Lord emphatically states in the Gospel of John, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Jesus also clearly told us that God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. The departed saints, we must know, did not simply live a long time ago, and now they are gone. Absolutely not. They are still very much alive, standing in worship with the angels before God's throne, and that is why in the mediation of Christ and through his blood, we may join them in worship, join this great cloud of witnesses which surrounds us, the cloud of witnesses that are invisibly present, but also visibly made present through their holy icons. Sainthood and holiness is the yearning for perfection. And sometimes we forget the saints were ordinary people, like you and me, who strove for this perfection and sanctity in their lives by obeying the Lord's words. Be perfect as I am perfect. Be holy as I am holy. They heard these compelling words of God and they strove in every way to heed God's call to this life of holiness. Someone once rightly pointed out the following. If we see such holiness only in Christ our Savior and in his, not in his people, the saints, we may be disposed to consider holiness as an impossible ideal which we imperfect humans can never attain. We learn best when we see, however, concrete examples of how to live the life in Christ in the world today. This is why the saints are a challenge to us, the writer says. They can shake us out of our complacency with our mediocre way of following Christ. The saints are the friends of God, as King David says, but to me exceedingly honorable are your friends, O Lord, is Psalm 138. The saints, according to one hymn, are the foundation of the church, the perfection of the gospel, they who fulfilled by their way of life the sayings of our Savior. And that holy men and women are to be our exemplars and our patterns in this life, people to look up to, people to imitate. Even St. Paul makes clear in his first letter to the Corinthians when he writes, even if you should have countless guides to Christ, yet you do not have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. 
Therefore, I urge you then, be imitators of me. For this reason, I am sending you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. He will remind you of my ways in Christ, just as I teach them everywhere in every church. The saints, brothers and sisters, are our family, and so we need to dust off our family album and look to them, study them, learn about them, learn from them, and imitate their lives. We must resurrect the memories of Christ's friends, his saints, by looking to them, and let us be edified and inspired by the great things they accomplished in Christ's name. This vast army spread out throughout all time and space, but rooted in eternity. In John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus promised that those who believe in him would do even greater works than he did. And this promise has absolutely come true in the lives of his saints. So let our curiosity be roused to learn about these incredible and wonderful people. It is no accident that after the sacred scriptures themselves, it is the lives of the saints that is most read by the faithful throughout our Orthodox history. This is because the saints are a way of seeing the gospel lived out. Let's say in surround sound and living color, the gospel comes to life in their lived lives. Each holy man, woman, and child from all walks of life show us a model of sanctity. Each saint has a unique story to tell us. Each saint shows us that holiness is achievable, is attainable. Every generation has its saints, and that is certainly most inspiring. God is wondrous in his saints, writes King David in Psalm 67, because the Holy Spirit worked and continues to work miracles through them. Let them become our friends and our companions. Get to know these extraordinary individuals who achieved the heights of divine love. Learn from them, be inspired by them, cultivate relationships with them as absolutely our ancestors in the faith and our brothers and sisters in the faith. Seek their holy intercessions and to ask for their aid. And know too that we, brothers and sisters, are called to be saints, to be holy as God is holy, to be perfect as God is perfect, because this is the ultimate Christian vocation. And to God, who is wondrous in his saints, be the power and the worship and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us rise for the conclusion of the liturgy. Let us pray to the Lord. 